And we're back. Welcome to episode number 18 of the Beyond 24 Days podcast and season two. Where have we been for the last nine months? Stick around to find out. Welcome to the Beyond 24 Days podcast with your host, Brooke and Ken. Beyond 24 Days is focused on healthier living by promoting whole and natural foods while supporting your local, responsible producers. You can follow us on social media at Beyond 24 Days, where we share our food ideas and recipes. And now your hosts, Brooke and Ken. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Beyond 24 Days podcast. Where have we been the last nine months? Life. Sorry, guys. Sorry, not sorry. We had a pretty ambitious schedule of doing a podcast every week. week, And um, we ran out of content, so... Here we are. We took nine months to sort of recollect everything, and we're back with season two of our podcast. This year, we are hoping to bring a little bit more to the table, uh, maybe try to feature some guests, bring on some of our friends, and offer some insight just from an outsider's perspective, because I'm tired of hearing my own voice. I don't know about you. You do more talking to me. Well, I try not to. So anyway, the last nine months, just to recap, uh, running is still going strong. The last nine months, I was in the Hot Chocolate 15K, Garden Spot Half Marathon, Hershey Half Marathon, and then I sort of sealed my fate by running in the Relay for Life. I didn't really run, but my goal was to cover 51 miles in 24 hours. Wait, let's recap that. Your goal was to run 50 miles, and by the end of the 50 miles, you were completely delirious and actually ran a mile and a half to two miles over the 50. Yeah, it kind of happens. So the Relay for Life is a 24-hour event. For those of you that are unaware of what that is, it's held by the American Cancer Society, and it's 24 hours of walking on a track or running to show your support Uh, because cancer doesn't sleep, so you don't sleep. So the whole idea is you have a team and everyone participates. And my team was pretty ambitious. One of our team guys was really big into running, and he conned me into running 50 miles. And I'll admit, um, running 24 hours is quite a feat. I thought I was going to hit 50 miles a lot sooner, but I took a lot of breaks and a lot of breaks, and maybe it wasn't enough water, a lot of tomato pie pizza. I was really delirious. So by the end of it, I went over my goal of 50 miles and did somewhere around the ballpark of 51 and a half or 52. I don't know. I had to load him up in the car and take him home. It destroyed me. I actually, I stopped running for the entire rest of the month. It was in May and June. June, Yeah. And I pretty much took a break from running all of June and most of July. August, I got back into it, and it's been pretty much full bore ever since. Another thing is, I got Brooke to start running, which... Dun, that, dun, dun. <laughs> so, the running bug has kind of bit the house. It started off with just daily walks. We would do, what, a mile, two miles every morning? Well, I over the summer, when I had off, uh, because I worked for a school district... Um, I would actually do a mile to a mile and a half in the morning with Ken and he would leave for work and the neighbor woman up the street would say, hey, why don't we walk together? So I was walking a mile to two miles with Ken in the morning and then another three, three and a half miles with the woman up the street. So I got into this routine, getting up early, just keep moving. I would have 10,000 steps in by 
11 o'clock. And it just got to a certain point where one day I just said, hey, can we try running tomorrow? That was like music to my ears. And also, woman up the street, our poor neighbor. I don't think she listens to our podcast, but uh, Tracy, if you're listening, shout out to uh, getting Brooke to start running. Well, walking at least. So with that, the whole family got in on it, and we do our typical family runs. We did Muckfest this year, which was a lot of fun. Everybody was involved, my mom, my brother, and um, aunts, uncles. Our team was called... Mother Duckers? No, no, no. That was Dodgeball. Sorry. What was it? Mother Muckers? Mother Muckers. Mother Muckers. There we go. (laughs) We were the Mother Muckers, and uh, uh, from my point of view... That was a really great race. Um, we did not get a big gold and shiny medal because we did not raise enough money at hint, the hint. end. Next year, I guess. <laughs> or this year. Um, but what you get out of it, it's just fun and it really challenges you. And I, in my opinion, it was my favorite run that I did. Yeah, it really wasn't much of a timed race. It's more of an obstacle course and muckfest. Everything's in mud. And um, it, it really was... It really was a lot of fun. It was. The, the only bad part was the cleanup process yeah. afterwards. Oh we were finding mud in our ears for... Yeah, shout out to Mojo. My blue Mojo socks uh, were brown for a good two weeks. Took a lot of washing and a lot of using them to clean them out. But Muckfest was a lot of fun. This past fall, we competed in the pumpkin run. And that race, not that we push our kids, but um, that race we did pretty good. The heat... It was really um, it was unseasonably very, warm. Yeah, very hot for the end of September. It was almost 80. Yeah, it was in the 80s. And both kids, they give us um, long sleeve black tech shirts with the Pumpkin Run logo. And those were really great shirts. And um, shout out to newbies, don't wear the race shirt on race day. My son decided he was going to wear the shirt. And uh, black, unseasonably warm weather. Hot sun. He was running roasting, hills. Running hills. Running hills in a pumpkin patch. That that course was really not intense, but it was more off road than any other course we've ever done. And also, just FYI to those people who are looking to score a PR for the pumpkin run, sign up for an earlier wave. We purposely signed up for the later waves, the run slash walk wave. And there were people that were trying to pass us in a cornfield where they only had you know, a row of, of corn that was out of the way. So it was narrow pathways and there's a lot of, uh, hostile takeovers, <laughs> but, um, it was a lot of fun. And then, um, typical every year we did our new year's 5k last and, um, year was good. was good because it was about 30 degrees this year. It was a cool 11 degrees when we did the run. And um, if you follow me on Instagram, you will see we all were covered head to toe. There was barely any skin showing. Felt really bad. The kids um, really did pretty good this year. I was surprised. Our Our son son, took second place again. In his age group. Or did he take first last year? He took first last year, second this year. Second this year. That's I told him that's what happens. You get older and the kids (laughs) start getting faster. So either keep up or uh, just settle for second place, which we were pretty proud of him. He was pretty proud of that too. So uh, the last nine months have been full of running. And and they continue to be full of running because you are now training for a new race. Yes, this summer I'll be competing in the Ragnar Relay. 
It's a 200-mile race from where we live in Lancaster up to the Poconos in Pennsylvania. Uh, lucky for me, it's there's 12 people on our team, so I don't have to do all 200 miles by myself, which I'm sure after the Relay for Life and my experience there, if I was delusional after 50, I would probably be senile after about 200. Um, I'm, I've been posting on my own blog sort of my own training. I'm not going to go into that here because I doubt everybody wants to hear about that. But um, that's what's been going on as far as running the last nine months. Brooke? Why don't you tell us what you've been up to for the last nine months so I can stop talking? Well, like I said, life has been going on. And a lot of the reason why we've been sort of busy is this past summer, I actually started with a, a new position, same school district, but I have come out of the kitchen and I'm in the office setting, still working in the um, food service department. I am now the food service secretary for our school district. Uh, which includes all sorts of jobs, ordering the food. I keep track of allergens. I keep uh, carbohydrate counts for our diabetic students. But one of the amazing things that was handed down to me with this job, I just couldn't wait to sink my teeth into it, is each school district is required to give kids some sort of nutritional education. Now, I'm not a nutritionalist. I don't have a degree, which I've been asked by a few people. But I I was given this job with... We had our own experience with food that we've been surrounding ourselves and educating ourselves in food that we know what's worked for us and what is considered a you know healthy plate. Right, which is what the uh, USDA stresses. We no longer do the food pyramid. It is now the healthy plate, which I actually like. A lot better a lot because better. it shows you what your plate is supposed to look like. Uh, so my very first classroom demonstration, I was able to pick where I wanted to go. So of course, the mom and me reached out to my son's teacher, and behind his back, we created this whole fun-filled day, try day, make today a try day, where I introduced his class to three different grains three different fruits and three different vegetables that I felt that most kids don't come across in their normal everyday home life. I wanted to give them a taste of something different. So that way, when they go grocery shopping with their parents, they can say, hey, I tried that at school and it was really good. I think we can try that. Yeah, that also worked out really well. And our son uh, was pretty embarrassed to see mom <laughs> come waltzing in with food. Well, his teacher, his teacher told them that she had a really big surprise but he didn't know the surprise was me. So he had some really wild fantasies about what this surprise was going to be. Pizza and party. It was just me. Anything. You name it. It was fun. just me with the same food that, you know, we eat at home. But it's interesting because going back to the degree requirements, people have questioned us, you know, what, I don't know, not what gives you the authority, but, you know, how, how do you know so well? It's just simple education. Food and nutrition education aren't taught in schools. I don't remember learning, other than the the pyramid, I don't really don't remember learning a whole lot about what is considered a healthy plate. So we've done our own education. And honestly, if you teach yourself and you have your own experience, losing 80 pounds, for me, that you know, I don't have the, the degree, but hey, this seemed to work for me. Brooke also has completely different tastes in food, but she also did the same program. 
and combined we've lost over 160 pounds. So obviously if something's been working for us and we've passed on that nutritional education to our kids and we see them making healthier choices, it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, if you look at would you rather eat whole food or would you rather eat a, a processed snack, I mean, it's it seems like common sense. It really does. But well, some people the, are just hung up on that, you know, do you have a degree? I or, have a degree in life. <laughs> School um, of hard knocks. <laughs> but uh, back to my, my try day. Which was a success. If you follow our Instagram, uh, the school PR actually came out and a few people from our district office, including the superintendent, which made me extremely nervous. And I got a lot of great feedback from people who work within the district. My son's teacher and some of the district employees who came to watch reached out to me and said, hey, uh, you have a food blog, you have a podcast, can we have that information so we can check it out? We were slightly reluctant to hand that out, and I don't think we gave them a whole lot, only because um, we're, not trying to, uh, we're not trying to come across as nutritionalists that we're going to, to prepare meal guidelines for anybody. This is just our podcast, our feed, our blog. This is stuff that works for us, and we've had success with it. And kind of like, you know, do this at your own risk. We're not trying to preach any gospel other than just the obvious of eating whole foods, stay away from the processed stuff. We don't do dairy because it, that's just what works for us. We're not vegan, but we do a lot of vegan recipes because we don't do dairy. And a lot of the recipes that we find uh, for vegetarian have dairy in them still. So we guess we get asked that all the time too, if we're vegan, which... Um, we're not, but we use a lot of vegan meals, a lot of re- vegan recipes in our own lives because that's what works for us. Seems like common sense. Well, while we're touching on that subject, another thing that has changed for us within the last nine months is Ken was pushing for a little bit more vegetarian, a little bit more vegan. And I'm actually the reluctant one because I, I kind of feel like that's a really personal choice and, and for, to make it work you all have to be there. You all have to be on the same level. And I, for one, know our kids aren't there and I'm like not entirely there. So I made him a little bit of a promise. I said, Hey, how about I cut back? How about I cut back on our meat consumption? Let's try and stick with maybe two days, two days a week where we have some sort of animal protein in our food. And that was, over the summer, mm-hmm. I think I, I came to that conclusion, and it stuck. The kids were really reluctant about it at first, but it's just so natural now that they don't even fuss. Like, is it's there meat in this routine. tonight? Yeah, no. it's just part of our routine, okay. and they're okay with it. Sorry. No, that's all right. Um, I'm not going to do a lot of editing, by the way, so I'm just going to keep rolling with it. All right. A lot of it just comes back to me running, uh, doing a lot of running and really pushing myself Whenever we would eat a lot of meat, uh, I would just find myself really sluggish and not performing on the level that I thought I could perform. And the days that we would have our plant-based meals, uh, I would feel amazing and really good. So, And to touch on that, um, I actually did notice that, you know, right. I would make every Tuesday, we still stick to the same food regimen, you know, one day a week we have soup. And normally that day is a Tuesday because that's the day we all go to the gym mm-hmm. as a family. And it's just the fastest thing to make. Uh, 
I did start to notice when we started cutting animal proteins out of our diet, if I would make soup that had chicken or ground beef in it, I would actually get really wicked heartburn Mm -hmm. when I was on the stride machine at the gym. So I thought maybe I was crazy. So I actually started cutting meat out of our soups and started making that one of our, you know, meat free options for the week. And I feel amazing when I go to the gym. It's almost like my stomach is lighter. I don't have indigestion. Well, it's not that we're taking out. And the thing is, we're replacing the meat protein with a plant protein, with a plant protein, which is more filling. If you ever look at those diagrams, they'll say, you know, 100 calories of chicken versus 100 calories of white beans, for instance. It's just, there's, it's so much more filling. And I find that I don't eat as much. I don't overeat when we do the mostly all plant-based meals. Not all the time. Sometimes. It's good stuff. Why don't we, um, why don't we take a break? Because we're at 60 minutes. And I'm pretty sure if we keep going, we're going to go down a spiral. All um, right. When we come back, we're just going to talk about um, some things that are going on in this area. Uh, one of my book recommendations. And then we'll get into the food with Brooks. So stay tuned for more. we're back part two um you're probably wondering what we do on those breaks we actually sit here and psych ourselves up for the second part of the show (laughs) so here we go back with part two some things that are going on in our area we're pretty excited to find out that a whole foods is being built well it is built it's going to be open soon and also a wegmans is coming to our area which is another store that we like Mm mm-hmm Wegmans and Whole Foods. I actually, sorry, Whole Foods. I think Wegmans has a better food buffet than Whole Foods does. It's been my limited experience. I've only been to Whole Foods in Brooklyn, New York. So uh, for work travel, not that we're avid Brooklyn fans, but um, (laughs) the few times that I've been to New York City, I've gone to Whole Foods for lunch. And it's a great selection, but I found that whenever we've gone to Wegmans, the food selection there is so much better and there's so much more variety that I really like Wegmans a little bit more. So I'm more excited about the Wegmans coming than I was Whole Foods. The only thing, come on, Lancaster County, let's get on this. I think we should petition. We need a Trader Joe's. Oh, We yes. recently uh, went to Trader Joe's for the first time, and we were just blown away. So I'm rallying for that to be the next grocery store in this area. And I don't know if Trader Joe's just universally is a crazy store, but when we went, it was nuts. It was was crazy. There was bells ringing and people elbowing each other. (laughs) It was just absolutely nuts. But the the food selection there, too. We got some really interesting, really out there healthy foods to bring home with us. The... What kind of hummus was that? It's like horseradish hummus Horseradish hummus. Out of this world. The Amazing. flavors of seltzer water that they had. Amazing. Star fruit seltzer. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Trader Joe's, if you're listening and you're uh, looking for some sponsors <laughs> or you want to sponsor us, please feel free to give us a call. Uh, don't give us a call. Email us. Link in the bio. Anyway, um, so that's just some of the things that are coming to this area that are pretty exciting. Also, our favorite farmer, Joel Salatin, that crazy lunatic from Swope, Virginia. He's coming to Lancaster February 20th through the 21st. He'll be at the Slanko Fairgrounds in Quarryville, Pennsylvania. And his topic, he'll be there for two days, given six different talks. But the one that I'm most interested to hear is facing off with Monsanto, regulations, and the food movement. 
I actually spotted this. Uh, if you want more information, if you're local or semi-local to uh, Southern Pennsylvania, if Is you want local? more in- information on how to get tickets, if you go to the Polyface Farms Facebook page, they actually had a post uh, with a contact information on who to call. And a link. So, sorry, I threw in a Portlandia joke if it was local. Oh, sorry. sorry. Hopefully there's some Portlandia fans. But I was there. so excited when I saw this. I sent it to Ken right away and was like, oh my gosh. So I think it's on a Tuesday and Wednesday. It is. It, it is during the middle of the week. There was actually no times listed on the Facebook. I don't know. Oh, so man. I'm not too sure. I, we would love to try and make it. And if we do, that could yeah. totally be a topic for a I might try to podcast. snag some recordings and uh, we'll interject be those, that. Sorry. We'll be those crazy lunatics who show up in our uh, polyface gear with our polyface bags. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And our books to be signed. No shame there. I love, I just love the whole, ever since I was introduced to Joel Salatin, I have just been a huge fan of his and everything that I've listened to and everything that he's produced. I just couldn't agree with it more. I think we need to go back to more organic farming, just the traditional methods of farming that we've since replaced with the fertilizers and modern technology. And I think part of it too is we just love him so much because, I mean, you can... You can, you know, visualize things in your head, but we actually were there. We went there. We saw how he ran his farm. It's not just something he writes in a book. He practices what he preaches. Exactly. We just love him so much. (laughs) No, sorry. So anyway, Joel Salatin is coming to the Lancaster County area, so we're pretty pumped about that. And um, kind of along those lines, not really. um, I recently, recently, as in a couple months ago, read a book called Devoured by Sophia Egan. And it talks about how America doesn't really have much of a food culture. Um, Italy, all these European countries, they all have their own sort of food culture that when people immigrated into America, they brought those food cultures with them. But America is kind of like this melting pot of everyone's food cultures. And there is there really is no American food culture other than brunch, which I thought was interesting. Uh, brunch is kind of a big deal in America. I don't know. Do you think it is? We don't really do brunch. I guess with like millennials. I guess. People always out for brunch. And it just talks about how American is, um, America culture, food culture is hooked on fast. Gourmet fast foods, your Chick-fil-A's, your Chipotle's, um, and fast or fast casual, wherever you want to call it. How America is big on these sort of. Designer. Uh, yeah, designer. Fast food. food. I don't know. We're McDonald's is out. McDonald's is out. Yeah. Burger King's out. It's just your. And we're, I mean, we're guilty of it. I love Chipotle because they do offer, they have vegan options or vegetarian-based options. Um, Chipotle, that, wait, that's what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, doubling up here. Uh, Chick-fil-A, it's like hit or miss. I, I try to avoid fried foods, and that's like our one Weakness. guilty pleasure. Mm. And that's nothing. They did open up a Chick-fil-A near us, <laughs> and it's like a you know two-hour wait to get a sandwich, but eventually that'll die down. But that's just kind of what's going on. I, I know I've kind of been behind the ball on posting up some of the books that I've been reading, and I'm sure I'm missing more than Devoured. I don't know the last book that I talked about or suggested. My problem is I read like four or five books at a time, and I get so wrapped up in, in everything that I end up forgetting um, what to share with you guys. I've been into history lately, mm. books on Washington and early America, so... Anyway, that's that's all I have going on. Brooke, why don't you tell us what's cooking, Brooke? It's been a while so, since I said that. 
Do you want me to go over the last nine months of food? Uh, why don't we stick to like, I don't know, four no, or five? I'm, I'm just kidding. I sort of have this outlined. Um, like I said, we had our dietary change. So I've been getting real creative. Super creative. Here Super we go. Super creative. Um, but like I said before, uh, in another podcast, many podcasts, a lot of my inspiration is drawn from Pinterest. And I am a huge fan of going to our local library and finding all different kinds of cookbooks, Indian cookbooks, vegan cookbooks. Hmm. Where uh, would we be without Pinterest? I don't know. That's interesting. Another topic. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Exactly. But over the last nine months, if you follow on our Instagram which is always updated. The blog, where we've been a little bit slower. I've been trying updating. to hit that up lately. Instagram for those of those for those of those for those of you that are following along. Instagram's probably the best social media platform that we're on that we update on a regular basis, one or two times, I, more than that. Usually, I try to post daily, um, if not every other day. So keep an eye out on Instagram because we do post a lot on there. You can stay up to date with all of our foods. <laughs> We have had several different tofu dishes. Uh, our daughter still reluctant to the tofu. We're going to break that wall. <laughs> I hope so. Um, we've had buffalo tofu sticks and blood orange tofu, which was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. The texture was so crispy on the outside, so juicy on the inside. I actually made the comment to Ken that it tasted like you were biting into a piece of just real tender steak. Yeah, it was, that was surprisingly – we're hit or miss when it comes to tofu on how we prepare it. Sometimes we cook it, and I don't think we dry it out enough, so it's kind of spongy. Sometimes we'll cook it, and we just – we miss the mark, and it kind of dries it out too much. But lately, we've been kind of – Well, I recently read it. a blog by somebody who said the best way to prepare your tofu is actually to have a frozen block of tofu thawed. Huh. Freezing it and then thawing it changes – it somehow and it drains a lot easier. Huh. Um, so I actually did notice that with the blood orange tofu, it had a real nice spongier texture to it. So I think it, it did. It sucked in the. I think uh, another thing too is I see a lot of people prepare tofu in an air fryer, which we haven't broken down and bought. Yeah, uh, we're holding out, but <laughs> I think I don't know. The next month or two, I think we may we may bite the bullet and go with an air fryer. Uh, we've been eating a lot of bowls. And we keep getting asked, what is a Buddha bowl? Ken? Two or three times people. Honestly, it's called a Buddha bowl, but um, for us, it's just a bunch of stuff we toss in a bowl. You'll mainly and, uh, find a, it's usually, a complex carb in there. It's like a bed of greens or some sort of a grain, and we just smother it with either tofu or some kind of protein. Roasted um, vegetables. Yeah. I like to add seeds to mine. Just like to mix it up. Basically, whatever you think would taste good, it usually works out. Uh, one of the the bowls that we had uh, lately that was my absolute favorite, and oh, I could not get enough of it. We were eating leftovers for days, and when it was finally gone, I was really sad. Uh, I made a Mediterranean chicken bowl. Ooh, yeah, it had good. homemade hummus and kalamata olives, and I actually grilled a Greek-flavored chicken to go on top. Hummus is one of my, I could eat a whole thing of hummus. I don't know if that's good or not, but I, I could just completely smash a whole container of hummus. Mm-hmm. It's so good. 
Well, along with making soup, one of the things that I try to do is I usually make either a savory or a sweet breakfast because we get asked quite a bit what we eat for breakfast. And to be honest with you, we're not huge breakfast people, except on the weekends. Um, Weekends are the only exception. Yeah. So during the week, we just drink protein shakes. Mm -hmm. And I usually try and make a a breakfast for dinner, one, because I enjoy breakfast for dinner, and two, to give our viewers and listeners some breakfast ideas. Tonight, our dinner was so out of this world. I could eat it every day. I did a baked sweet potato, opened that up, vanilla oatmeal, a homemade raspberry chia jam, a homemade coconut date crunchy oatmeal, and peanut butter sauce on top of that. And then you could probably make that in all kinds of iterations. You could chop up the sweet potato in almost like sweet potato fries and have that with with the oatmeal. I mean, I can't talk tonight. Um, but that's the cool thing about a lot of these plant-based meals is there are so many different ways you can prepare just, you know, sweet potato. You don't have to just bake it. You could cut it up into fries right. and make it like that. Uh, we've been doing a lot of vegan uh, ethnic foods Mm. or cultural foods. And it's been really interesting to me. We've had a vegan Cuban picadillo, which one of Ken's coworkers, who's actually from India, came up to him and asked him what it was because it smelled amazing. It had really rich cinnamon and all sorts of just amazing spices in it, olives, which was over the top for me because I'm a huge fan of olives. When your Indian coworker who constantly belittles American food and says that it doesn't have much flavor or taste, it it really was sort of an aha moment for me when he came up to me and he was like, that smells really good. That's when I knew, yeah, this is I was like, yes. (laughs) Um, But we've done cultural food such as taking a lot of Creole food and making it vegan as well. Mm. I've done vegan jambalaya, vegan gumbo, and a very spicy vegan etouffee, which was really good. And I've also been working with one of my weaknesses because we all know Ken gave up cheese because he's lactose intolerant, and I just gave it up with him because I'm a good wife. Thank you. Uh, But one of my favorite meals used to be macaroni and cheese, So that was the hardest thing for me to give up. So I've really been working really hard to find macaroni and cheese substitutes that, to me, are similar to the original. Um, So we've had some butternut squash cheese sauces. We've made one with spinach in it and cashews. And just the other night, I made a white bean-based macaroni and cheese sauce, and it was amazing. It it had the texture and the taste of regular macaroni and cheese. It was pretty heavy. I took some leftovers to work, and I couldn't eat the whole thing because it, just a small container, it just was pretty good. I'm not really a big mac and cheese fan, so I kind of, uh, you know, turn my turn my nose up a little bit when there's mac and cheese. And the other thing is we're not big on the vegan cheeses that come in the packages, uh, mostly because the main ingredients on those are oils. So kind of just shy away from that stuff. Plus, it doesn't really taste that good anyway. I recently, Ken was away for the evening, and I recently made a broccoli pizza, a vegan broccoli pizza. It's on the Instagram. It is on the Instagram. It looks beautiful. The taste wasn't horrible. 
I did use vegan mozzarella shreds and I normally try and steer away from them, but knowing he wasn't going to be home, I decided to give it a try. It gave you the illusion that there was cheese there texturally, but taste-wise, it just wasn't happening for me. It fell pretty short. There was a lot on the front, but nothing on the back end. Yeah. Um. So other than that, the only other thing right now, I come from a family of hunters, and uh, my family members recently got several deer. So you'll probably start seeing a couple venison recipes on the Instagram. I just made venison chili that was out of this world. And we have a few more containers of it in the freezer. So you'll probably be seeing some of those recipes. In I'm the nodding future. my head now in approval. And you can't see that. But um, one of the things that I really enjoy is wild game. We're not, I'm not really big in hunting myself. But I don't, I don't not condone it. Is that what? Does that sound right? Right. You're, you're I don't okay not with condone. it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm okay with it if you're not, if it's not trophy hunting. If you're legitimately hunting for meat, then by all means, I don't see anything wrong with that. And plus the um, deer that were harvested, um, all, all that meat, everything went to use. We use almost every part. And uh, I really, uh, you can really sort of appreciate that level of harvesting animals. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't buy commercial deer. Is that such a thing? I don't know. Farm Maybe, raised? Deer? I'm sure. Yeah, you farm sure. raise you can farm raise anything nowadays. But that's pretty much where we've been the last nine months uh in our food choices. Um yeah. This is probably the hardest point in the show for us because um I could just talk about food all day long. Yeah. Well anyway, thank you for joining us. We do apologize. Sort of for the nine months off. We hope that uh, us coming back is sort of invigorating us to. We've come redone up with... our studio in hopes that it can. Yes, we're not crowded around a tiny desk with little boom mics breathing on top of one another. We actually have a, a pretty decent setup. I'm not going to post any pictures just yet. I want to paint the room and kind of add some sound barriers to help with our volume levels because I know you're. I don't know if you can hear the dog and the cat running around, but it's in there. It's life. Uh, it's a real-life podcast. We do it live. I'm really not going to edit much uh, going in the future. It's kind of like the natural flow of our conversation. So if you like what you've heard, stick around. We'll be back. Uh, I don't want to say next week. We're probably going to stick to a one or two podcasts a month, maybe every other week, just so that way there's a break in the material gives us a little bit more recipes that we can talk about. Plus, I can't read books that fast. <laughs> um, it's kind of hard to do that. So it gives me a little bit of a chance to come up with some ideas that I would like to talk about. But anyway, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to hearing, or hearing. We hope that you guys will join us the next podcast, episode number 19. I don't know the name of it, or else I'd plug it. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for joining guys. us. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.